0: Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy, Romance, and Romantic Fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Hmm. Get that in. (laughs) Today is Friday! It is Friday, January 15th, in fact. The Ides of January, as it were. And uh, today's earrings are golden fishes. So these are, for those not on video, they are sort of stylized golden fish with the hook through its mouth and segmented into three portions. So that it dangles and his fins seem to flip. And these were definitely my mom's that I believe she pressed upon me. Um, And frankly, I am not sure I have ever worn them. Um, Which I don't know why. It could be because with my old jewelry system, which was not amazing, um, I couldn't see them very well. Uh, and it could be, I've been contemplating this while I was getting ready, when I was thinking about the earrings of the day, a weighty topic. I was thinking, why don't I pick these up? And I think part of it is because I don't identify with fishies much. My mother's a Pisces. Um, I am not a water sign. I am on the cusp of two signs, neither of which is a water sign. Um, actually, that's not true. I don't know. What's Virgo? I'm on the cusp of Leo Virgo, which somebody pointed out to me makes me a meticulous volcano, which I think is actually startlingly accurate. <laughs> uh, to the point that on the Cephalus Slack channel, I have a little volcano next to my name. I didn't have a way to describe meticulous, but I am, yes, a meticulous volcano. So, anyway, Leo's obviously fire, but, um, Isn't Virgo like air or earth? Some of you may know better than I do. Anyway, um, fishes. I don't have a lot of identification with fishes. However, I should wear these earrings more often because I'm forever bemoaning that I don't have enough dangly gold earrings. I have so many dangly silver earrings and I don't have any that are gold colored. And these are pretty, aren't they? And they don't get lost in the Tenebworths depths of my hair. So let's, um, maybe these, this will start a new era of wearing the golden fishes. Uh, and it's appropriate for Friday. I just sort of worked out that way coincidentally because I come from a Catholic family. Um, I myself am not a practicing Catholic by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, in some ways being Irish Catholic is, uh, the Catholicism is as much a part of the, um, I don't know, the genetic inheritance as the Irishness. And, uh, you know, Catholics have fish on Fridays. It came from the original um, idea, you know, it, like much of Catholicism is stolen from Judaism uh, when Shabbat was celebrated as a, and still is celebrated, of course, on Friday evening. And, Uh, Catholics had the idea of fasting and so forth on Friday. But then after Vatican II, they decided, well, it wasn't healthy for people to fast. So instead you have fish on Fridays because fish is the less desirable meat, I guess. I don't know what vegetarians do. Maybe you have um, soy products instead of delicious vegetables. (laughs) Who knows? Anyway. Fish on Fridays was something that my mom certainly grew up doing, um, as did my stepfather, Leo, from whom the It's Friday comes from. And Leo was a Catholic priest for some time before he left the priesthood, then met my mother. The order is very important. My mother would like me to emphasize that for you. Um, But I think Leo grew up in a poor Catholic family, a farming family in Sterling, Colorado and sterling well Frederick, Colorado, but near Sterling. There were several farms all in the area. But um there were three children of of Francis Kennedy, Francis and Leo Leo J. Kennedy. My Leo was Leo T. Kennedy. Um, Francis and Leo J had three children and Patrick, Mary Jane, and Leo T. And all three of them took orders. So I had literally for much of my life up until a few years ago, uh, my uncle was father, Patrick Kennedy. uh, And he passed away. Uh, Mary Jane was a Carmelite nun. And then Leo, of course, was a priest until he uh, left the priesthood. And Mary Jane also left, uh, left the order. Patrick stayed a priest all his life. One of those renegade priests who spoke his mind too often to rise very high in the uh, diocese, but he's a good man. Anyway, oh, I was saying, I don't know if Leo grew up having fish on Fridays. I know my mom talked about, my mom and my aunt talked about growing up having salmon patties on Friday night which i believe was a love hate relationship there was nostalgia involved although at the time they did not so here we are fish on fridays we also traditionally have fish on christmas eve which uh non catholics don't understand and catholics immediately understand because again that's a it's the observance of the the holy night where you you don't fast but you have the the lesser flesh as it were That was a tangent. Um, the earring tangent. Oh, and you know what? I I wrote down some things I wanted to say to you guys. And it's up on my desk. I know one of them was was my mom made me laugh because I asked her about the vaccine. Uh because it sounds like uh there's such a bottleneck getting it to all the tier one people that they're opening it up um, because there's all this vaccine sitting in stores and Pfizer wants to export more, but they can't get it out fast enough so that they can, they're running out of room to keep it there because they can't get it out fast enough. Everyone's backed up. So they're just going to open it up and apparently start giving the vaccine to everyone over 65, which is greatness. It's funny, you know, that there's like not the infrastructure to do this because it hasn't been done before. Uh, but when I asked my mom, you know, I said, Oh, are you going to get the vaccine soon? And she said, yes, sounds like it. And I said, are you getting it from your doctor? Uh, Her, her doctor, they do the concierge physician and her doctor is Dr. O uh, who she likes very much, but I like to call her Dr. No because I am irreverent. And so I said from Dr. No's office and she said, not necessarily. She said, we, we, Learned about it from an old folks website. Which, um, I don't know, just entirely tickled me (laughs) that she called it an old folks website. And now I really want to know what old folks website it is. I'm imagining it as being like (laughs) shakeacane.com. If there is not shakeacane.com, there should be. I'm going to see if I can find this note because I did have something else I wanted to say. And I am looking for it here on my desk. Oh, yes, sorry to leave you um, for a moment there. When I am working during the day, I like write down my little notes on on the little tiny sticky. so uh, one thing that Dorinda and I were talking about last night. And do I remember exactly, or yesterday when we were working, I don't remember exactly why it came up. Oh, she was talking about Jane Ann Krentz, that Jane Ann Krentz is going to be interviewed next week by, like, the Fresh Fiction folks. And we were talking about how Jane Ann Krentz and Susan Elizabeth Phillips, who are both lions of the romance canon, uh, would do these... I don't what, like a presentation, a workshop every year at RWA National that they called the uh, formally was called the Secrets of the Best-Selling Sisterhood. But after a time became colloquially, colloquially, that's really hard to say, colloquially known as the Susan and Jane Show. And it was the Susan and Jane show, but it was one of those things that no matter what else was going on at conference. And I've mentioned that I often do not get to workshops and panels at conference because I'm so busy with meetings. I've, my days are so full. But if I could, I would always try to get to that. I would prioritize. And when people would ask me, what should they do at national? I would always say, go to the Susan and Jane show. And they would start each time with each of them giving what they thought were, or maybe they decided together what they thought were their top three secrets of the best-selling sisterhood for the year. And And that wasn't even the best part, although I learned a great deal from them, especially as a newbie writer. But even later, I mean, after I was fairly well published, I would still want to go and see them and hear what they had to say. Uh, but, but, the very best part of it was seeing their friendship because they have had this lifelong friendship, and and the way they would do the Susan and Jane show is it was abundantly clear how much they love each other and what very good friends they are and Here they share a profession. And they are very best pals. And they have been through all the ups and downs together. And um, I realized when Dorinda and I were talking about it yesterday, that they really modeled for me how that writers can be friends, what a writer's friendship can be like. Because I think that there's a lot of, I don't know, I don't want to say examples, necessarily stories. I mean, certainly in books and movies, we focus on like jealous rivalries and so forth, you know, because conflict is always interesting. But I don't feel like like we always see the friendships, you know, you don't always see the positive relationships. And I think that there's this idea that writers are somehow always in competition with each other and in some ways that women are always in competition with each other, which is, I mean, let's not get started on that because that's a, I think a really, um, program misogynistic thing, but, you know, we don't always see women's friendships modeled positively in stories. We have so many stories of like the boys, you know, the, you know, brothers in arms and uh oh what's the uh stand by me you know all these stories of of male friendships you know the camaraderie of men but then when um women are shown we don't get those same kinds of friendships all the time I think it's gotten better lately there are more movies with friendships and I really appreciate female friendships I really appreciate but you know when there is. Women who share a competitive profession or supposedly competitive pr- profession uh, who are also friends, uh, you don't expect to see that. So watching the Susan and Jane show uh, was eye opening to me, especially as a newbie writer going to RWA National and having them talk about supporting each other through the ups and downs of their careers was um Uh, just heartwarming i mean maybe that word gets a phrase gets overused but yeah it was um so heartwarming and wonderful and i they would tell this one story about susan elizabeth phillips had gotten a a scathing review on a book and i don't remember why that one was important to her but she had gotten this really terrible review and she called jane and she was you know as you do you know and she was like oh my god i can't believe you know this review Blah, blah. and, and Jake was like get it out of the house pick it up right now take it out out of the house and throw it away and of course this was the days of print and and they laugh about this story and you can see you could just really see the engagement and warmth between them that is um At the risk of sounding maudlin, uh, a beautiful thing to see. It was just really wonderful. So uh, I wanted to mention that while it was on my mind. And then I went and looked up online since we are living the age of Zoom, Zoom the pandemic. uh, And there are a couple of places where they have done the Susan and Jane show via Zoom. and. I will put some links in the show notes to that and I, I haven't watched them yet, but I'm looking forward to watching. I, I'm sure it'll be wonderful as always. So yeah, so that's heartening. Um, I did get back proofs on golden Griffin and the bear Prince who I'm going to get those done today and set to the formatter so and he promises to have it back to me by tomorrow so I will have it uploaded by the Sunday deadline it's a relief I finished making the map yesterday so this was something I didn't think about and when I did my map originally and I don't think I could have I don't know how one would plan for this but in Golden Griffin I'm basically taking the map that's goes all the way back to the mark of the Tala that I drew back then. And I talked about this some yesterday on the podcast, but I, the quest takes place in a smaller quadrant of the 13 kingdoms. And so what I had to do was I had to take that section of this map that I drew freehand and essentially scale it up so that I could show more detail in there. Well, dear listener, this was no <laughs> simple feat. Um, I ended up commenting in the CEPWA Slack. I, I used my damage gym. I said, Dammit Jim, I'm a writer, not a drafts person. I, I had to break out like my ruler and my drafting tools so that I could scale up the distances properly. And it's still not perfect. I'm, I'm sure you guys will find mistakes in it. But I got it as close as I could. Um, I suppose this is an argument for having someone who actually does maps for a living uh, or who does illustration to do your maps for you. I know that you can hire people to do this. I am, however, moving in the direction of hiring fewer people to do things for me, uh, partly because it limits my upfront outlay on self-polished stuff. And I don't know, I'm feeling like like I should be doing more of that stuff myself. Like I could take the time to refine the skills and learn to do it. A funny follow-up on the proofreading question from yesterday, when I mentioned about the M dashes, Um, it was really kind of bothering me that she was like, there are a lot of M dashes. And she said, I think I could shave off a hundred or so. And I was like, I just didn't remember anybody ever telling me that like em dashes are a bad thing and i asked her i'm like you and she's well i i feel like i use em dashes too much and i'm like well what's too much what why are you not you know like i get don't use too many exclamation points because because it's too much it's too strong but why too many em dashes what's wrong with that and she's like well i don't know and i said do your dear do your trad pub copy editors take out your em dashes and she said no and i said well mine don't either and so i I went and looked because I thought, well, surely I would remember if somebody before had said to me, Jeffy, you're using way too many M dashes Uh, because they do say other things to me. (laughs) And I went and looked at The Promised Queen because I just completed copy edits for that over Christmas and so forth for St. Martin's. And the manuscript I turned in that went to production had eight hundred and sixty six m dashes and as you guys will recall uh if you listened yesterday uh my proofreader had said that she had done a search and that I had something like eight hundred and sixty four m dashes in the novel and she said that's that's a lot and I was thinking well you know if they come in pairs mostly and a lot of them are like people interrupting each other whatever. So Promise Queen, I turned that manuscript in with 866 M dashes. So clearly this is my general bar for a novel. And the copy editor actually added a few because it came back with 875. And I checked um, the book that I'm currently revising now, Dark Wizard, and there's something like 840 M dashes in the book. Uh, It's a little bit... um, not quite as light a tone, so I think that's probably why there's slightly fewer, but anyway, it's like I guess m dashes are my thing um didn't realize it, but yeah, it's funny when somebody tells you something that you're like it's too many, and I even did a little Google search like i I googled like r m dashes bad, and I found this essay written by someone like ten years ago that was one of these very stuffy grammarian essays that I that I personally loathe <laughs> it's just not my not my shtick it's not my bag baby uh and she had in there like how and and, and it was an essay that started with um bear with me bear with me while I make my point point. and I always feel like okay somebody's saying that they know that they're arguing something that most people are going to agree with but she was basically making the point that M dashes were somehow a short shortcut for not properly constructing a sentence. She was also singing the praises of semicolons and colons, which just made me roll my eyes. Um, you know, it's not like, uh, I don't know. I just don't think there's artistry in using semicolons instead of M dashes. Uh, I'm much more interested in conveying the story to the reader in a way that they will enjoy. But I know not everybody is into caring about what the reader may or may not enjoy. So, on that note, I am off to deal with these proofs. Uh, I hope that you all have a wonderful Friday. Um, Do something fishy, uh, literal or metaphorical. And I will talk to you all on Monday. Take care. Bye-bye.